You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, everybody. Well, it got to 20-3, to Baltimore. You were probably pretty annoyed, pretty frustrated. And then the Bills erased a 17-point deficit and won their third game of the season, 23-20, the final. I am Matt Bovey with Channel 7 here in Buffalo, joined, as always, with my co-host, Sal Capaccio, Bills sideline reporter and beat reporter for WGR. Sal, man, what a roller coaster of emotions that game was, huh? No doubt about it. It was pretty amazing being a part of it on the sidelines, pretty intense down there. Lots of bills fans in Baltimore. I'm already back home. uh, As we do this on Sunday night, I fly on the team charter and last week, just the juxtaposition. I mean, my eight year old son basically cried himself to sleep. And then tonight and he's going crazy. Then he told me that when they were down, he didn't want to watch. So he cleaned his room. So, you know what, Matt, I'm thinking maybe the bills should just be down all the time. So he gets his room clean and then they come back and win and everybody's happy. Well, I remember growing up in Western New York, my dad used to tell me that when he would get nervous watching Bill's games, he would take all of the laundry from the laundry room and put it in a big pile in the living room. (laughs) And he would iron his clothes for the week standing there because he had so much like nervous energy that he just needed to do something with. So I I don't think Max and my father are alone with kind of that, like having to get something done and trying to be productive while also dealing with the anxiety that comes with the Bill's game. Well, it was a lot of anxiety for sure for Bills fans, but can we finally put to rest the close one score game thing? I mean, that's one of the things that I thought about immediately after the game. And I know it has been a talking point and, and it has to be right. I mean, there were 0 seven in one score games, but we can finally put that to bed. As I said to you last week here, I think taken as a whole, it's a talking point. It's something you have to recognize. I think taking into taken individually, there's all different reasons why each of those games didn't go their way. Well, this one went their way. It was a heck of a comeback. Matt, I did the research. It was tied for the ninth largest comeback in franchise history. Uh, they had eight comebacks of 18 points or more in a whole 
whole bunch, uh, several of them, 17 points. And it, that's exactly what they had in this one down 20 to three. I would say to me, you tell me if you agree with this, the turning point in the game was the final drive of the first half punched in by Josh Allen. It just felt everything calmed down after that for the bills. Yeah. And I think that there are two really big plays that stand out to me. And that's the first one. It's the Isaiah McKenzie touchdown at the end of the first half that makes it a 20 to 10 game. And when you go into halftime, only down 10 in a game, when you really have no business even being around in, I think that gave the bills a little extra juice and that made them realize like, okay, we have some life here. And then the other play, and we'll talk about this more later the second Jordan Poyer interception yeah. changed everything for me. And I think it changed everything for the script of the game. I thought like a lot of people probably did. It was second and goal from the two. And you're like, okay, well, they're just going to get it's on. It's honestly how I felt about the bills last week in Miami. When they got down to second and goal at the two, I was like, okay, they're just going to, I'm just assuming touchdown at this point. And then the Jordan Poyer pick happens. And then at that point, right when they get the ball back, I'm like, they're going, they're going to score. I didn't really have any doubts that they were going to go down the field and score. And as we find out, they did. So a really impressive response, given the way they started the game. That does not mean that this was perfect. There are certainly concerns that we need to talk about. But overall, I think the Ravens are, like the Dolphins, a pretty good team. I think they're going to be a playoff team. It was on the road. The conditions weren't great. And they did enough to get a win, which I think is very important. Yeah, we can discuss the big picture of this, but it was an AFC game. It's on the road, so obviously it has major implications. Let's um, let's walk through the game kind of chronologically, if we will. I would tell you that I think, Matt, the, fir- the first part of this game, early Josh Allen was maybe some of the worst Josh Allen we've seen. Early offense for the Bills, up until the two-minute warning, essentially, of the first half, was maybe the worst offensive performance we've seen from this team in a long time. Why did this happen? I don't know. Pressing? Um, were they trying to just maybe go out there and make, so, make prove a statement and say something about after that Miami game last week? And they were, you know, it, it just, like I said, pressing, I guess. I, I don't know the reason, but to me, it was some of the worst offense I've seen from this team in a long time. Yeah, he threw, Josh, more balls that probably could have been intercepted or should have been intercepted than completions at one point. And yep. it really, even the first completion that he had of the game, I think was the pass to Diggs. It was a really nice catch by Diggs up the seam. I think it was like third and seven, third and eight. And that ultimately kind of got them into Ravens territory and they eventually kicked a field goal to make it seven and three right off the bat. But Honestly, the entire first drive, the entire second drive, and then most of the first half, they just didn't look sharp until they got the ball back for the last drive of the first half. And that's when they turned it on. I don't know specifically what it was. I don't know if the pressure was getting to them a little bit. I don't know if the secondary was doing some stuff to disguise what they were doing and he was getting confused or what exactly happened. There were also a lot of drops. Drops are a weird finicky thing because some people grade them different than other people do. But off the top of my head, I can think of at least one Jamison Crowder drop. I can think of multiple Gabe Davis drops. I can think of a Stefan Diggs drop. That would have been a touchdown. They scored a couple of plays later, so it doesn't really matter. I can think of a Devin Singletary James drop. Cook. I can think of a James cook drop. I mean, we just said like six drops yeah. and it was, I mean, you're the better person to ask this because I'm up in the press box. It was raining. But it didn't seem like it was ever a monsoon. No, it wasn't. But I think the issue is sometimes this is where I would say, hey, I I don't know. Josh has sometimes one speed. Now he's known to have more than one speed. He can tone it down. But 
he was wired, I think, in this game. He was amped. He was ready to go, and he was firing it. And in that those conditions, Matt, you got to slow it down a little bit. You can't just fire the ball. It's a little too slick. I think some of those drops, a couple of them came because Josh was firing the ball in those slick conditions. And, you know, you have to know to give yourself, your guys a chance to catch the ball. Uh, he has the arm to go through the wind and the rain, and we know that. But you got to be able to catch it on the other end. So I think that's part of it. It was not a monsoon. It was wet. It didn't rain a lot of the game. But when it did, it was pretty steady. But honestly, I think it was more just because Josh was kind of throwing the heater out there and these guys couldn't catch it. Now, during the game, during the first part of the game, they have this horrible start to, to the offensive side. On defense, I, I'm not saying I give them a pass because they gave up some plays and some yards, but they were just put in a tough spot, I think, throughout the entire first half. I think once the offense started to calm down and do what they were supposed to do, it also, in a way, calmed down the defense because they were allowed to kind of start the Ravens off in a normal position instead of giving them the ball and being down. I think the defense specifically, and it's something we have heard about this team for a long time for the last several years, but we haven't really used the phrase this year for so long. The bills defense was so good because of the whole bend, but don't break mentality. And that's the exact thing of what we saw today, especially on that drive where the Ravens went 93 yards, I think to get down to the position where they were second and goal from the two. And then Matt Milano explodes a play and tackles. I believe it was Dobbins in the backfield for like a three yard loss. Then they stop Lamar on a QB scramble up the middle to make it fourth and goal from the two. And then they force the interception to Poyer that could have very, very easily been a seven point Ravens lead. But instead it was a tie game with the bills, having the ball at the 20 yard line. What's your take on that, by the way, because I know a lot of Ravens fans are really upset that they didn't kick the field goal. I, I think I would have done the same thing. I think I would have went for it. I think you're nuts. I think it was really the worst decision ever. How do, it's a tie game. Yeah. It's a tie game. You're try, all you have to do is kick the field goal to go up and you have about five minutes of time to defend. Not, not even four minutes of change to defend uh -huh. and either a you know, sure they can go down and, and score a touchdown. I, I, I understand. I do understand one part of John Harbaugh's thinking, which I can get to, but it still didn't make any sense to me. I was when they went for it from the bills perspective, Matt, I was happy. I'm like, okay, this is your chance to stop them and get the ball back. If they kick a field goal, you're down. All you have to do is line up. Justin Tucker's going to drill it. You're going to be down. You're going to have to score. There's a lot of things that have to go in your way, your way in your favor, in the rain to go down there and do that. I thought it was a horrible decision by John Harbaugh. So did Marcus Peters, by the way. Oh my gosh. That after was crazy. his coach when it was happening and yeah. then after his head coach at the end of it. Now, the one thing that I'll say about, you know, John Harbaugh and, we know he's aggressive. He's done these kinds of things before going for two in certain situations. I understand that he's facing Josh Allen. So mm -hmm. maybe he's thinking if I get a field goal here, Josh Allen's going to score a touchdown. But to me, that shows no faith whatsoever in a defense that actually had already held the bills to 20 points, even though that, you know, they were getting a little chewed up in the second half. I just thought it was a horrible decision. I'm sorry. I think that you, he deserves all the scoring he's getting from Ravens fans. So my counterpoint, and I very much understand what you're saying is, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because it really doesn't impact the bills that much. But my counterpoint is Lamar Jackson is your best player. And I feel like you should always want the ball in your best hands player, the hands of your best player and your defense this year has kind of sucked. Like today it was okay. But I don't think he trusts his defense. So when you're like, that says that you don't trust your defense, why should he trust his defense? They're not very good, like at all. Because they had a chance to take the lead with four minutes left. <laughs> yeah, but they had a chance. Yeah, but they had a chance to take a seven point lead with four minutes left. Or I mean, nothing. Could, yeah, but it's I mean, an if easy he, three point lead by going for it, 
what's the chance of converting, right? It's, it's a two, it's a two point play. That's what it is. I mean, it's what 50, 50, two point plays are basically 50, 50. I, you're right. You should always put the ball in your best player's hands when you're in a situation that you need a play. They didn't need a play there. They needed points. They needed to take the lead. It wasn't that they were down. They were tied. I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I think it was horrible. I mean, I think the only thing I would have done, I, I have no like firm. It was the right call. It was the wrong call. I think I would have played it differently if you knew you were going to go for it. Well, they they, did put the ball in Lamar's hands. They let him create, but there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Like, and also on that play, I believe Shaq Lawson got held the entire time. The bills got some very favorable calls in this matchup. So both teams did. There were some, a lot of missed calls. It was a really weird game. So it's not like that was the deciding factor, but yeah, no, it was a weird one. I would think that just like let Lamar run let Lamar scramble and do crazy stuff because usually that works. I I sit there at times I was watching this game and I'm sitting there and I'm going Lamar is scrambling for seven yards, eight yards, nine yards. And I just wonder, why don't they do that every play? Like, I, like I I know that like eventually the defense makes adjustments, but even when the defense makes adjustments, it's hard. It's hard to keep that guy inside, you know, the pocket. Like he can, he is so dynamic. Well, we'll get to that in a minute and how they did that. I want to wrap up this segment on that play though. Still, because obviously the the Poyer pick. Yeah. You and I differ a little bit on, you know, whether or not they should have done it. I'm very much all in on horrible decision, wrong call, take Mm -hmm. the lead. You say, Hey, I could see both sides of it more and more. So, but what about the play by Jordan Poyer? Unreal. I mean, and and not only what a great interception you have to, obviously um, people understand this, but I'm just going to explain it again. It wasn't just that they stopped him on fourth down. It flipped 18 yards of field position. So the Bills, instead of being at their two yard line to start that drive, which I think was part of John Harbaugh's plan, right? A hundred percent. We don't get it. They're going to start the two. Now you start at the 20 yard line, only needing a field goal to win that play by Jordan Poyer changed everything at the end of the game. And it was a second interception. All right, we'll take a uh, quick break and then let's talk about how they actually could or try to stop Lamar Jackson. One name comes to mind. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast, it's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Matt, I think Jordan Poyer has a very good look at AFC Defensive Player of the Week because he had two interceptions and one was big. But honestly, Mm -hmm. Matt Milano deserves a look at that, too. He was insanely good on Sunday, 13 total tackles. And I would say, what, maybe three, maybe four on Lamar, a couple in the open field on him. I mean, he was incredible in this game, earned his money today. I think Tremaine Edmonds was very good. But I think Matt Matt Milano played a sensational 
football game. I agree. I think that you would have, so here, let's do this. Who would be your Mount Rushmore? So your four guys on defense who you think had the strongest performances. Cause I think there's three easy ones and it's Poyer Milano. And I think they're kind of a cut above everybody else. And then Tremaine Edmonds, yep. who else can we give a little bit of love to just to kind of round it out? Because there were some really standout performances there. Well, I, I don't think here, I'm going to give it to this guy, not because he made a lot of plays, but because of what the Ravens weren't able to do against Taron Johnson, matching Taron Johnson up against Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews had two catches wow. all day, two yeah. catches and the bills did not go to their base defense to defend him. They kept Taron Johnson, a, a nickel corner undersized against Mark Andrews. He defended him. He had two catches all day. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about Mark Andrews a lot this week and his ability to completely take over a game. And also we should also give some love to, especially like Dane Jackson comes back. Uh, There were, there were times, there were times when, you know, they got beat, but Dane Jackson looked good and Elam looked good. And we knew Bateman and Duvernay are good players, but they're not wide receivers. They're not Hill and Waddle or anything like that. So I was always more confident with the corners going into this game than I was last week, or maybe that I will be even next week against the Steelers. Cause they've got some good wide receivers, but yeah, just the, the, the secondary as a whole did a fantastic job. Cause we talk about it. The Ravens scored 20 points. They didn't score any in the second half. One touchdown was from first and goal at like the eight yard line or the five yard line to start the game. And the other one was a short field when Singletary fumbled it. Right. Yes. I mean, they, they, or wait, they, no, they might've scored on the drive before that. It might've already been 14. They got a, they got a field goal at their single Terry fumbled. I believe it was. So they scored a touchdown before that. And right. then they had the short yes. fields to get the, so 10 of your 20 points, half of the points the bills gave up were on short fields where they took it over in the bills territory. Yeah. And I talked to, um, we all did, I should say, talk to Dion Dawkins in the locker room afterwards. And he said, I said, what was the message at halftime. And he said, the message was, we're doing this to us. Like they're not doing it. We're doing this to us. And he specifically said, interception, fumble three and out, three and out, three and out. We're stopping ourselves. And that's an old cliche in football, but it was true. He said, as long as we took ownership of that, essentially, and we put it on ourselves, everything would be fine. And it was fine after that. So defensively, I thought the bills did a really good job. I'll give you a great stat, Matt. The Ravens came into this game with 10, 10 pass plays of 20 yards or more and four run plays of 20 yards or more in the season. They only had two plays total of 20 yards or more. Both were pass plays, no run plays, and one of those pass plays was that wild scramble from Lamar Jackson that somehow Duvernay came up with down the field for a 21-yard gain on second and 19. So basically the Bills completely took away the big play from the big play Ravens. That's how they like to do things these days. I also was impressed with Hamlin and how he slid in next to Poyer because they can do some things they would love to have Micah Hyde back out there. He would be a very welcomed player, you know, for everything that he does. But Hamlin's got some a skill set, which is pretty interesting. So I'm really intrigued by how they're going to continue to use him moving uh, forward. Aren't you a little surprised that it was him over Jaquan Johnson? Yeah, I was. And then honestly, I started to just talk with other people on the beat and read what people right. were saying and some of the reasoning behind it. And it's interesting. So I, I wasn't, I was more surprised. I would have been more surprised a week ago than I was now, but I feel like this gives them a little bit of a similar feel to what they had when they had Jordan and Micah. Yeah. um, And and boy, I'll tell you, 
not to be a, uh, not to turn too negative here after a win, but a lot of times I looked out there and thought to myself, boy, it'd be nice to have Micah Hyde on the field right now. It yes. really would, you know, without seeing 23, but give credit to number three, DeMar Hamlin. He did do a nice job. Um, so real quick, let's just kind of wrap up what, what happened on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. You know, the bills did, when you talk about contain Lamar, he did break loose a little bit. He did have his gains. That's going to happen against Lamar Jackson. He actually had 11 carries for 73 yards. Josh had 11 for 70. So the two quarterbacks kind of, uh, balance each other out when it came to running the football. But I thought there were times where they just over pushed it a little bit over pursued, got out of their lanes. That's when he broke contain. But there were other times where I thought they did a nice job to string him out. I thought their tackling was good when they had a chance to tackle him, other than one or two plays. And that's gotta be a key. Matt Milano made a couple of those tackles in the backfield. You saw there was a sack I think Vaughn got a sack. And then later who got the other sack that was back there. Uh, but either way, I thought they were so, Rousseau, thank you. I I thought it was Rousseau half and Daquan half. Yeah, there you go. And um, I I thought that was how they had to do that. You know, you have to make sure you're a sure-handed tackler when you get around him and around the football. Uh, We were taught. You mentioned it a couple times in the podcast. We were so impressed after training camp with the Bills' defense. Yeah, and despite the injuries and despite some of the mistakes that they've made. They have been so good this year. I mean, the most points they have given up in a game right now is 21 points. That's unbelievable. Do you know what they've done in the second halves of games this year? Well, let's see. The Rams would have been zero. Yes. The Titans would have been zero. Correct. The Ravens were zero today. Yeah. The Dolphins were, oh, I I want to go four for four on this. The Dolphins were seven. Seven points. You're great. Great job, buddy. Seven points given up in four games in the second halves of games. Wow. That's impressive. It's impressive. It's it's impressive on its own as a standalone stat. Yeah. But when you consider who they've lost there and how many injuries they've dealt with, that is remarkable. No doubt about it. And um, lots of the depth starting to shine through again. And Jamison Crowder gets hurt. Khalil Shakir steps up actually when he comes in for Jamison Crowder. So let's get to the offense here. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's always game day in Buffalo. We'll answer a couple of questions here after this. Let's talk about the offense. Khalil Shakir steps up in the place of Jamison Crowder. You hope that he's going to be okay. And in the place of Isaiah McKenzie as well. Isaiah McKenzie uh, with a concussion. We talked about Josh starting off slowly. I don't know what happened at halftime, but they made some adjustment to really get the running game going. Devin Singletary, four and a half yards of carry. I thought he was a difference maker in the second half, both in the run and pass game. Quietly close to 100 yards of total offense for Devin Singletary, Matt. Yeah, I think the last drive, he really stood out. I mean, the play that's going to kind of be at the top of the list for me is the screen pass where they hit him right off the, you know, snap the ball, throw it right to him. He gets all the way down. They actually said after the game, they told him, and this is just kudos to the bills. It was a masterclass with the game clock management at the end of the, at the end of the second half. It was so good compared to some of the stuff we've seen the last couple of weeks, but well, I guess just last week rather, but they told him don't score, like get down there, give yourself a, just get down, don't get into the end zone. And then he had the nice run where they were trying to let him score, but he knew not to. And then they had the QB sneak. So yeah, I I would say after the fumble, 
Devin Singletary really redeemed. It wasn't just the fumble. It was a fumble and it was a drop, but he really redeemed himself because I just, I don't get the Zach Moss thing. I've tried to make it make sense. I've tried to understand why they do it. It just doesn't feel like it ever gives them the spark that they're looking for. And he had another run on third and one, the offense that I'm not going to put this did. on Zach Moss. No, but he didn't they, get it. no and if you're going to have him in as a power guy and whatever, you're going to expect to get some of those. Um, they, they don't have much of a power game on, on third and fourth and short. They did convert one or two of those today, but that was really Josh Allen kind of leaking out a little bit and doing that, not going straight ahead. Uh, Devin Singletary also fumbled, not a good fumble by Devin Singletary. He got yanked out of the game. You, you already brought up the end of the game sequence. Let's talk about that. I'd like to do that. Um, you're right. It was a great, great job by Sean McDermott. And I think what people might not realize, and McDermott talked about this after the game, he's got people upstairs telling him, talking to him, where the chains are, what the time is. Like, this is something he's in communication with. He gets with Josh. Josh knows what the situation is. They tell Devin Singletary. That's not said right when they get down to the 10. As you pointed out, Devin knew not to score even before that. They knew what the situation was. They played it perfectly so that they could score with no time left. They intentionally did not score. And how about the Ravens? They were trying to let him score. One guy didn't do it and made the tackle. And another one of the defenders kind of put his hands on his head. Like, Oh, why did you do that? Why did you tackle him? Uh huh. And I will say, I want to point out one other kind of smart decision. It did not work for the bills, but his answer to why they were you in the press conference when he was asked about why they elected to receive the ball. At the I, start wait, of the half? I, I wasn't there, but my guess is, let me guess because yep. it was going to rain. So they wanted to yep. get up early. If that was the case. Exactly. He said, yes. based off of the yep. forecast that we had, we saw rain there coming yep. up in the second and third quarter. We wanted to have a possession where we didn't think the rain was going to play a factor. It obviously didn't work out, but I think that reasoning is really, really smart. And that shows you how many layers there are to all of this. <laughs> My thought when they did it was, well, they've scored eight times in a row to start games with the ball and offense. Why not keep going? But when you have that kind of explanation, you're like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. But just an offense in a whole night and day compared to the first, let's say 27 minutes of the game. And then sure. the final 33 minutes of the game, because they looked like the normal bills on that final drive at the end of the first half when they scored the touchdown to Isaiah McKenzie. And then in the second half, I mean, they only scored 13 points. We're used to them putting up more, but given the conditions, given the, like kind of the way the game played out, that's still pretty impressive. They, they did a good job. Yeah. By the way, I'll say, I'm glad we got it because we talked about it on the broadcast. What you just talked, I did not hear his response, but that we debated on the broadcast. Why did they do that? And we figured, Hey, it's because it's going to rain. And they think about this. I go back to the new England game last year. There was something else similar with the wind and the, the wind and uh, the snow and all that that was going to happen and how he thought through that. So it doesn't surprise me that Sean McDermott was thinking about it. Sometimes I think you can have paralysis by analysis, if you will, a little over analysis, but mm -hmm. I think it made, it made, it made sense. It, it was the right thing to do. It just didn't turn out right for the bills because obviously they started off and Josh threw an interception. Okay. So before we get to questions, we asked last week on this podcast, who are the bills? We both agreed. They're still the best team in the AFC should be favored to win the super bowl. Um, after today's win, I would like to kind of take it a, a different way. I guess. I mean, who are the Ravens? Who are the dolphins? How close are they after today? Do you think that the Ravens, and the Dolphins are closer to the Bills than what we thought they were, or was today an indication because of the way that the Bills kind of gave them everything and then came back to win, an indication that the Bills are still, there's still a pretty good gap between the, them and these teams? I would say 
I think right now the Dolphins are the better team than the Ravens. And, and I know they, they played them. each other and they did beat them. So you give them the nod there. But if you were going to have to play either one of these teams in the playoffs, I would be more scared yeah. to play the Ravens than I would to play the Good Dolphins. Point. And I think a lot of that comes down to Lamar and just, just having a dynamic game changer quarterback. So I think what the I think the Ravens are very similar to the Dolphins. I think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're good enough to contend because I don't think their defense is great. And I don't think they have quite enough playmakers on offense outside of Lamar. But when you get to the playoffs and you've got a guy like that, there are certainly reason you always would have a chance. And I think the bills, I know the question was about everybody else. I still think the bills are the best or the second best team in the AFC. It's a toss up for me between them and Kansas city. I think both of those teams are going to be on a crash course to play each other again in the playoffs probably deep in the playoffs and it'll just be a matter of where it is. If it's in orchard park or if it's in Kansas city. So that's why not to look too far ahead. The bills are going to have to try and get a win against the Steelers. And you cannot write off the Steelers ever. Even when the Steelers aren't good, we have seen that they always kind of seem to hang around, but I, I am really intrigued by the matchup week six between the bills and this chiefs. And while I was talking about this, Patrick Mahomes just scored a ridiculous touchdown. Okay, so I just went to Twitter as because I was looking up some of these questions. I see people talking about it. I haven't seen it. I can't wait to see it. He what like happened? he like scrambled off to the right and then like did a little spin juke move to get out of a tackle and then just kind of flipped the ball up in the air like he was giving like almost like laying up a basketball and it went right over the defender's head into the I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire's hands. It was pretty spectacular. So it's Edwards Hilaire's second touchdown then. I believe so. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yep. He's got two. He's got one running. So as, as people are listening to this, they're going to know the results of the game already. <laughs> we're not, we're, yeah. we're doing this in real time. All well, right. It's 21, three Kansas city. Uh, and well, hey, the bills were down 20 to three and they came back and won. I don't think the chiefs are going to lose this one. I agree with you. Uh, the Buccaneers just can't move the ball on offense. And um, Tom Brady is just not the same quarterback right now. He is five of six. As I tell you this for 56 yards, but it's clear that that is not the same offense. All right. What do you have for some questions before we roll out of here? Okay. So there's a lot of them. One of them is just, this is from Tom Shakir earning more time, even assuming either McKenzie or Crowder can return. And I think it's a good question because he had two big plays in this game. I'd like to see it. I still think it's good to have Jamison Crowder back as a return man. He's been good. He's a veteran. I don't know what the update on him is. I believe they had his ankle in an air cast. So that's never good. Uh, but Khalil Shakir needs to be on the field in some capacity. I agree with that. Will they out? This is from Mike. Will they elevate Tavon Austin or Isaiah Hodgins? It's a great, great question. I would think maybe Tavon Austin is first because the guy you lost, the two guys you lost really are return men, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it. Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. So I don't know what you, your thought is, but mine is Tavon Austin is very much in play for next week. Now. I agree. I am curious though, if they do want a little bit more size, depending on what they think of Gabe, because still Gabe Davis, he played again today, but it just doesn't seem like he's fully healthy. Right. And, it, and at one point, at what point I wonder if they just say, Hey, or if they ever get to that point, if they're like, Hey, let's just give him a week off and see if that makes him better or they figure something out. So if he wasn't available, then I would say Hodgins because you don't have Kumaro either. But if Gabe is good to go as is Diggs and Shakir, then I would say Tavon. Cause I think he's a little closer to the skill set of McKenzie and of Crowder. So that's just my opinion there. 
Let's see. What there was one, and I didn't see who wrote it. Somebody asked about re-signing Jordan Poyer, actually, because of the game he had and what's going on at the safety position. And Matt, I will tell you, I still de- don't necessarily see it happening for any sort of like, like long-term contract. I am starting to think a little more that maybe they get to the end of the year and they work out a one-year deal and say, Jordan, we'd still love to have you. We just can't commit a lot of money to you. Let's get, you know, we'll, we'll get you at a one-year deal. They kind of, they, they move money around to be able to make it work because he showed today how truly important he is to this team. And I think he would remain important to this team beyond 2022. Here's a good one. This is from Nish. Do the bills resign for Maine Edmonds? I don't know. I think these are questions that we still have a lot of weeks to remain. Right. So yeah. I don't know. That's something we have to revisit back after like week 18. <laughs> I think that they really like, they love Matt Milano. They really like Terrell Bernard. But Tremaine Edmonds, he has this stick. Like people think there's no one in the middle on Tremaine Edmonds. Either he's a great player or he's a terrible player. I think he's a very good player. I think he was a very good player today. I think he made a lot of plays and everybody will be like, oh, well, he overcommitted at this one moment here or he missed this one tackle here. Well, he's always around the ball. So there are more opportunities for him to either make big plays or to slip up. And I think today he made way more big plays than mess ups. Uh, let's see. Here's a couple questions. This is a little one that I don't think you probably care about at all, but SpongeBob or Rugrats? That's from DJ. That's an easy SpongeBob. Okay, no, so I, no I, questions I, asked. I don't really. I do watch SpongeBob because Max watch watches SpongeBob. I, I don't. I didn't watch it myself, and mm-hmm. I never watched Rugrats, and neither is he. Well, SpongeBob, I still make SpongeBob references more than I'm willing to probably like to admit. This is a good one. I have to find it because I want to give them credit for asking it. Okay. Well, I don't know who, what their person, this person's name is. It's food additive designer of the year. What is the best appetizer at a restaurant and why is it the free chips at Chili's? And I'm not going to say that, that that's it. But what is your favorite appetizer? You can give me a specific restaurant and the dish, or you can just give me a type of appetizer that you can get at any place. Okay. So first of all, let me start with, if I'm going out to a restaurant, I want bread beforehand. Like that makes a, makes a difference. What I think about the restaurant, if you give me bread before the meal, my wife says to me, she'll laugh because like, Oh, they have bread and she'll laugh. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's good. That means that the restaurant, yeah, that's what they should do. She could give me some bread. Now, if they want to give chips or something like that, that's fine. But I'm all into the bread, Italian bread with the, the dipping sauce, the oregano and the, and the olive oil and all that. So I'm totally good with that, but that's not really an appetizer. I would say it doesn't matter where. Calamari is the best. Yes, Sal. Yes, that's Calamari a great is answer. The best appetizer. That's such a good answer. Squeezing, and that's, squeezing some lemon on it. Yep. Dipping it. I'm glad you said it. That's what I was going to say. I don't count. I think some people will be like, why didn't you guys say wings? I don't necessarily count wings and as an appetizer, you can eat wings as an appetizer, but I don't ever do that. Exactly. I think calamari is an exceptional answer there. That's what I was going to go with as well. Um, Any other questions that you want to answer? Anything that you're sniffing through here? Uh, no, just, uh, you know what? Not from the uh, viewers, but you, you had a chance. I'm down in the field. You're kind of, poking around on uh, the other games a little more than I am on Sunday. What struck you? Well, I just actually watched an unbelievable catch from Mike Evans. So <laughs> he just, he just caught a touchdown. Uh, what struck me was jet Steelers. Maybe. I mean, I don't jet know. Jet Steelers right now. So he's going to face Pickett next week. I don't think so. Cause he had okay. three picks in the second half. Okay. So he, he uh, Kenny pick to oh, not geez. pick it, but so, yeah, I don't think that – I think they'll probably stick with Mitch. 
that's just kind of what I'm guessing, right. but we shall see. It makes this week that much more interesting. I was very surprised to see the Packers and the Patriots going overtime. I did not see that coming, but I also don't think the Packers are that good. I, I think Agreed. that says, I think that says more about the Packers than it does about the Patriots. I love, I love it, Matt. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And obviously we know my feelings about Aaron Rodgers, but I think when we went into the season, a lot of people had the Packers game circled on the calendar as a really tough one. And every game in the NFL is to an extent, but I think the bills are a much better team than the Packers are at least right now. Yeah. The Jets winning was, uh, was nice. That was cool to see um, Zach Wilson go in there and get even a touchdown catch is what he did. Right. Uh-huh. I think that you saw that as well. Um, that was really cool. I'm trying to think of some other games. The wild dude, how many points are the bills going to score in the lions? When they play Thanksgiving, it's going to be insane. That, I mean, that score today, 48 to 45, the Lions had 22 points in the fourth quarter. So oh that was, God. I mean, they just every game. That's the play, Lions, right? That's what they do. Yeah. I, the Colts stink too, by the way. Yeah. And I, I just don't get it. I feel if you're a fantasy football player and you drafted Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor had 20 rushes today for 42 yards. Averaging nice. two yards a carry. Not nice, but nice. Yeah. Like what the heck? I know what happened to them. I thought they were going to be, re- I thought they were going to win that division. Well, look, oh, the overall, the AFC, I'll end this on big picture. As we sit here now, the chiefs are winning. They're up 21, 10 on the box. We'll see how that turns out. If the chiefs do wind up winning their game, Matt, there will only be three AFC teams with less than two losses. The dolphins, chiefs, and bills. That's it. If the chiefs lose, it's just the dolphins and bills. Yeah. Everybody else has at least two losses after four weeks, which is insane. I feel like I remember this from looking at it last week. I don't think the Dolphins schedule is incredibly difficult. It's not coming forward. up. It's not, but they also have the, the two issue and every, all the distraction around that. I don't, I, I'm curious to see how they handle all this. Yeah. So they go jet there. I'll just read their next four at the jets, home Vikings, home Steelers at the lions. I think they could probably, I think three and one would be the baseline there for how they get through those three, those four games. So I think that they're going to be just hanging around. Maybe I'm wrong. A lot of that depends on Tua, but it's not like they handled that situation perfectly the first time. So I don't have a ton of faith that they're going to handle it right the second time. We'll talk a lot more about the bills and the Steelers on our next podcast, as well as the rest of the AFC. We thank you for listening now. And we hope you always do. We come at you twice a week, at least here on it's always game day in Buffalo, download it, subscribe it, throw us a nice rating and you can do it wherever you want. I mean, you can get this podcast on your Apple iTunes uh, platforms on Spotify through the Odyssey app, of course, and wherever else you pod. All right, Matt. So listen, you have a safe flight back to Buffalo. It's going to be you. a fun week getting ready for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now that the bills are back on the winning track, Mondays are always much better in Western New York when the bills win, aren't they? And we both know that. Oh, they certainly are. And they're also much better when you're flying back from Baltimore and it's only yes. like a 45 minute flight and you don't have a layover. I will be home and be back in bed. God willing by like 9 a.m. tomorrow, which is. Are you jealous that I'm already home? Oh, you have no, I've already looked twice at trying to change my flight out tonight because our friends over at Wham and Rochester, Jenna and Mike, they're flying out tonight. And when I have the opportunity to leave the night of, I usually always take it. But for some reason, I didn't book that flight. Originally, I booked the early Monday morning one. And then in order to change it, it just was too much money. It was like, that doesn't. Yeah. 
So wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my four and a half hours of sleep in this little hotel here, and then I'll uh, get some Jamba Juice at Baltimore Airport, BWI, great airport, love wow. it, and then I'll be home. Take your time, have a safe flight. It's nice having charter life and being back here already I in bet. Buffalo and getting ready. That way uh, people can hear me on Monday morning. But by the time you listen to this, it's already probably Monday night or Tuesday. But we thank you either way and no matter when you do. For Matt, I'm Sal. Thanks for joining us on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.